You're listening to the RUV English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is slash English. Welcome to the Roof English Podcast. My name's Darren Adam. Thanks very much for your company. My guest today on the podcast is Lucy Samkova-Hall-Allen, who is Ambassador of the European Union to Iceland. Iceland, of course, not in the European Union, but a key member of the EEA, sometimes known as the Single Market. And Lucy will tell you on the website of the delegation that the EU and Iceland have an incredibly deep, friendly and wide-ranging relationship based on shared values and the close links between our citizens. At its heart, it says, the unique agreement on the European Economic Area, the EEA. I caught up with Lucy and firstly, she told me about her own personal journey to Iceland, where she now lives and works. No, thank you for having me, and it's a great opportunity for me to be able to uh, be on the podcast. Um, I have uh, been an EU official for close to 20 years now, uh, and uh, I have been a part of the EU's diplomatic service, uh, which is still a relative novelty. It only uh, came into being in uh, 2011, uh, at the time when, uh, when it started. I guess the motivation for me um, to get involved uh, in EU affairs uh, comes very much from my history and my country's history. Um, I was born in Prague, uh, in Czechoslovakia at the time. Um, and I think it's important to realize that uh, the country has just emerged out of almost 50 years of communism. And suddenly in 2004, the Czech Republic became a member state of the European Union, uh, which we saw at the time, and I saw at the time, as a tremendous opportunity, and in many ways as a coming home to the West and to the family that uh, the country and its people very much felt a part of uh, during all those decades. Um, so I really felt, uh, I don't like the word calling, it's perhaps a bit too grand, but mm. uh, I felt that I wanted to be a part of this project, which was democratic mm. um, at its heart. Uh, and I applied to become an EU official. I have passed uh, a couple of competitions and I find myself at the time as a 22-year-old uh, in Brussels. Uh, it was actually one of the first times that uh, I had uh, lived abroad for any period of time. Uh, and I have worked uh, consecutively for different EU institutions uh, until, like I said, uh, I became a part of the journey of mm. the newly created diplomatic service. And how did that bring you ultimately to Iceland? So as chance would have it, and I think life often works in this way, uh, one of my first professional assignments uh, back around 2009-2010 uh, was working on accession negotiations with third countries uh, that were candidates at the time. Mm. Uh, and they were a rather diverse set of countries. Croatia on the one hand, uh, which I think many see as a success story mm -hmm. uh, of accession, knowing also that Croatia this year has entered Schengen and uh, adopted the Euro. Uh, there was quite an exciting process to watch. Uh, Turkey was the second one and Iceland was the third. And it was at the time when I was first exposed uh, to Iceland as a country, to mm. Icelandic culture a little bit, uh, met uh, a number of Icelanders 
And I remember thinking at the time that I find Iceland a rather intriguing country. And I wonder if I could perhaps do something in the future that mm-hmm. would bring me either here or uh, closer uh, to Iceland. And uh, like, you know, uh, the life of a diplomat is basically a series of consecutive postings in, in different countries. I've done a few postings uh, since then. But ultimately, when the opportunity presented itself in 2019, 2020, mm. for me to apply for the position, I spotted yes. it and uh, I knew that uh, that was at the top of my list. So Iceland was a goal. It was somewhere you wanted to come. This wasn't just a random posting, if, if such things exist. No, it wasn't accidental. No. Uh, we now have 145 EU diplomatic missions around the world. You can literally find us on, on every continent. Uh, and there's roughly 30 to 40 ambassador posts that are in rotation in, a, in any given year. And uh, as an aspiring ambassador, you look at the list mm. and you identify a number of those where you feel that you would bring a particular value and where you see uh, your future. Uh, I've put down three or four, but Iceland was number one. Okay. Now, we'll talk later on in the episode about Iceland's relationship with the European Union, its place in the single market, its place in the EEA. But let's focus first on your impressions of the place. Obviously, you wanted to come here, you were able to come here. What is the attraction of the country as far as you are concerned? You've lived in other places, you're from the Czech Republic or Czechoslovakia as was. What is it you like about Iceland? As plainly you do. I think often when people ask me what Iceland like, my only answer is it's really a place unlike any other. And I always encourage people to come over here and uh, see it for themselves because the attraction is different for everyone. Mm. I think in my uh, in my case, of course, the nature is beautiful. Uh, the job uh, is interesting in many different ways because Iceland is uh, obviously an extremely close partner uh, for the EU and an important partner for us. Um, I also like the way in which Icelanders approach life. I like their directness. Mm. You, know, you see, in particular in the world of diplomacy, in some countries, um, in order to be able to do business with people, you first need a few warm-up meetings, you need to build a relationship before you can even get into the substance of what you want to discuss. And Icelanders tend to be not like that. Mm. You know, very often. <laughs> I meet someone and we sit down and mm. within two minutes, right, so what's the problem and how can we solve it? Yes. And I like that. It, appeals it saves time, also. doesn't it? It saves time. I think it, to, it kind of appeals to some of my personal traits as well. I'm somebody who likes to mm. move ahead and look ahead and get things done. Uh, so I like the Icelandic directness and the pragmatism that, mm. uh, that exists here. Well, let's talk about Iceland's relationship then with the European Union, because accession talks were taking place. Indeed, a letter was in place and was withdrawn some years ago. We, we can get as far into the weeds on this as, as you want, I suppose. But let's start with the current, factually speaking, the current status of Iceland's application or lack thereof to become a full EU member. Mm-hmm. So I would say, at least from my perspective, the relationship between the EU and Iceland uh, is excellent. We are in a very good place. Mm. Uh, Like you said, uh, over the last decade, the relationship has evolved uh, from the moment when Iceland uh, indeed did apply 
uh, to become an EU member in 2009 until the moment when ultimately uh, Icelanders have decided that that's not a path that they want to pursue uh, at the moment. But I think irrespective of uh, these different milestones, uh, we are a part of the same family. Mm. And when I say that I mean it from two different perspectives, the one is more legalistic. We are members of the EEA and uh, you will know that uh, the EEA agreement uh, is basically the closest and more the most broad cooperative arrangement that mm -hmm. the EU has with any group of third countries in the world. Yes. Uh, but when I speak about family, uh, I also mean it at the level of the values that we share and the principles that we believe in. Um, and again, I think that's something that was even more brought to the light, uh, for instance, now with the war in Ukraine. You know, when mm. I arrived to Iceland uh, in 2020, um, and I was talking about shared values and a partnership of values, people were nodding, but it sounded rather abstract. Mm. You know? And mm. more often than not, uh, I would be approached uh, to speak about trade issues and economic issues and free movement of persons and the very practical uh, details and yeah. aspects of the relationship. But I think now, in particular, uh, after the invention of Ukraine, the, the penny really dropped for many people and uh, they realized what this partnership of values mm. really means. We believe in the same things and we're ready to defend them. And going back to that legal position, Iceland, a member of the EEA, mm -hmm. the single market, and of course Schengen as well, part of the passport-free Schengen zone. So closely integrated without being a full EU member. Now, averaging this out for the purpose of the conversation, it seems to be about 50-50. You will find polls showing more support for membership and then you'll find mm -hmm. polls showing the opposite. There does at least seem to be consensus that being a member of the EEA, the single market, is something that Icelanders want. There doesn't seem to be terribly much support, as far as I can tell, for, for leaving the EEA. No, I think that's exactly right. And uh, for me, that's something that's immensely positive. And it really means that uh, the agreement, which has been in force for almost 30 years now, since 1994, um, brings concrete benefits to people mm. and that this is appreciated. And is that the settled will, do you think, or will there be a push in the future for full membership of the European Union within Iceland? I mean, not from the EU, but, but from Icelanders. That's not up to me to, to <laughs> say. Um, what I always like to underline is that uh, my job is to make sure that Iceland and the EU have the best possible relationship mm. in any way in which Iceland is comfortable with. Okay. Going back to your own position here in Iceland, you obviously wanted to be here and now you are here, which is great. Do you get to stay as long as you want? Can you make the case for this being a permanent fixture in your life and for your life? How does it work? Uh, that's not how it works. Uh, we are all on a rotation system, which for Iceland is four years. Uh, for some hardship postings uh, in countries which, for instance, are dealing with uh, security challenges, it can be three or even two. Uh, but it's in the nature uh, of diplomacy that uh, you need to come and go. 
Uh, mm -hmm. You need to reconnect with headquarters uh, every few years. And of course, it's also in the interest of the diplomatic service that uh, the staff uh, working in it uh, get broader expertise mm -hmm. and broader experience from different regions. I have certainly found in all the times that I've been coming to Iceland with my partner, and that extends back to 1998, which was a time that people tended not to visit Iceland quite so much as tourists or holidaymakers or visitors. Something that comes up time and time again is surprise from people how physically close Iceland is, certainly to the UK and the nearer part of continental Europe. When people ask you about Iceland who aren't in the country, why you like it, why you recommend it. Where do you start? What would be your, I don't want to call them tips necessarily for visitors, but what are your highlights that you talk about with other people? Well, I certainly talk about the nature. Yes. Um, I have uh, traveled, I think a fair amount uh, around Iceland now. I have my favorite spots. Uh, I tend to send people to the north as well, yes. uh, not just to the south and to Reykjavik. Uh, one of my favorite uh, beauty spots is uh, Siglufjordur and the Troll Peninsula, uh, as they call it in English, uh, nor north of that. Uh, I remember the first time that uh, I drove there uh, in the summer when I arrived and it was all green and lush and yes. very different from other parts of the country that I've seen. Uh, so nature is certainly a part of that. Um, a very strong and very vibrant cultural scene uh, I grew up uh, around music and around musicians and around mm. culture a lot. So that's the kind of ecosystem uh, that uh, also always attracts me in any country uh, that I tend to be tend to be living in. I think it's amazing that uh, despite its small population, um, Iceland does have this immense mm. breadth and richness of culture and it's perhaps something that people don't realize just flipping through tourist brochures yeah. and it's not just music obviously it's writing and it's filmmaking we've had a podcast on that recently as well on the podcast service why do you think that is what's your best guess as to why a nation of 360,000 people absolutely does punch so much above its yeah. weight culturally because it undeniably does good question i don't know whether some nations are more predisposed towards creativity than others. I think that anywhere you go in the world, the mm. moment you scratch the surface, you will come across artists and uh, people who are finding different ways of, of expressing how they feel about, uh, about the world and about their lives. Um, long winters, uh, yeah. perhaps, are a part of that. Um, how do you find know. the weather here? Uh, I, <laughs> no, this is this point. is literally a diplomatic answer, isn't it? Uh, less difficult than I thought. Okay. To be honest, mm -hmm. uh, I was uh, fearing my first winter, but then suddenly I realised that uh, it's January, February. I've gone through it and yeah, uh, enjoyed many aspects of it. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a house with a fantastic uh, view of the ocean, uh, which kind of changes. Mm. daily and uh, even in the winter months I, I like to walk around uh, the shore and enjoy the fresh air so honestly when when people ask me is the weather too too rough uh, I haven't found it uh, mm. impossible 
Well, you, talking of views, you have an office here where we're sitting today with a fantastic view of downtown Reykjavik up towards Kvöreskata, directly out of the window here. And looking around, I'm struck by the first time that we came here in 1998 and just how much this part of town has changed. The building in which we're sitting, of course, did not exist in 1998. So you've got a, a, an amazing view of a literally of a changing city. Have you Even in the time you've been here, have you felt the city change? Have you felt the country change? Absolutely. I think one of the characteristics uh, of Iceland and of Reykjavik is that it is very dynamic. Uh, and I think in many ways it's something that drew me here. Uh, like I said, I, I am Czech and I lived through the societal, political, economic transformation mm. that took place there in the early uh, early 90s and uh, and the very late, uh, late 80s. And I'm in a way seeing flashes of that here as well. You mm. know, you're talking about a country that has transformed itself in the most profound ways over six or seven decades. Uh, not only when it comes to the economy and lifestyle and uh, and tourism, mm -hmm. uh, but also in terms of uh, migration and immigration. Uh, I was quite amazed to find out that uh, almost 40,000 of those who live in Iceland nowadays uh, are EU citizens mm. and vice versa. Yes. There are so many thousands of Icelanders who live and study uh, and work um, in the in the EU. So for me also um, it means that there is a great level of people-to-people -people, uh, connection and so, like you said that the Icelandic society and the landscape and the urban landscape is something that's very much alive. And my thanks to the EU ambassador to Iceland Lucy samkova Hall allen for joining me on the Roove English podcast today. Remember, you can get in touch with the Roove English service anytime. We are English at ruv.is. You're listening to the Roof English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is English.